1: St. Petersburg, Russia, a tram runs by the front door of 55 Savushkina Ulytsa. It's a four-story building, fairly nondescript, where the lights burn around the clock. It's one of the buildings associated with the so-called againstva Internet Slidovani, translation, Internet Research Agency. It's places like this where Vladimir Putin's disinformation empire, staffed by hundreds of young Russians working 12 hour shifts, crank out lies meant to undermine and divide the United States and the West. But artificial intelligence could take this to a whole new level, perhaps making it easier than ever to manufacture false narratives and information that is deliberately dishonest. I'm Paul Brandis, and that's the name of this series. It's called simply Disinformation.
0: And I'm Meredith Wilson, founder and CEO of Emergent Risk International, and I'll be providing analysis throughout each episode.
1: Throughout this series, we've emphasized a central point that technology is generally agnostic. Whether it is used for good or bad depends largely upon the intent of the user. And so it is with artificial intelligence, which offers both promise and peril to the way we live, work, and exist together in a free and open democracy.
0: There's some great things that that artificial intelligence will bring, but from a negative perspective, I think um, you know there are several concerns.
1: While some of those great things include everything from self-driving cars, better detection of diseases, and the ability to analyze vast amounts of data quickly, among a zillion other positive things. Meredith Wilson, the chief executive officer of Emergent Risk International, says that when it comes to disinformation, artificial intelligence could make it harder than ever for humans to discern truth from lies.
0: One of the problems with this is that um, it becomes nearly impossible to determine the source of that information because of the way that those programs work. Um, And that's going to further obscure the whole sort of landscape in terms of what is proper sourcing? How does that work? But also where is disinformation coming from? And when created at scale, it becomes part of the narrative, whether it's true or not. So we have some fairly big concerns around how this changes the way that we write, the way that we, uh, the way that we resource information, and how we manage to trace the origins of information.
1: Before going further, some context. As powerful as AI is today, right now, we're really at the dawn of its ultimate potential. Again, for better and worse. The most
2: important thing for the average consumer today to understand is that Artificial intelligence is not intelligence.
1: Dr. David Yoffe teaches a popular course on strategy and technology at Harvard Business School. He says AI's true advances are still years away.
2: We won't get to general general AI, uh, which means an artificial intelligence that truly understands in that time frame. You, you're probably more like 10 to 20 years Um if, if everything goes according to plan. Um, so in the next three to five years, these tools should get better. They should get um, more efficient. They should be, they should also get more accurate. Today, it, it's basically a large data dump. There's just, uh, they're mining a spectacular large amount of data and then almost reflexively responding to prompts. But over time, they can become more sophisticated, more finely tuned, and potentially be able to um, give better
1: answers. You often used a phrase, quote, general AI, unquote. Others call it, quote, strong AI. What both terms mean is, and listen to this, the creation of intelligent machines that are indistinguishable from the human mind. I repeat indistinguishable from the human mind. That is the true power, the vast potential of artificial intelligence. This is the path we're on. But even though that is years away, according to Harvard's Yoffie, we're already seeing AI's incredible potential now. One particular breakthrough is something that perhaps you'd never heard of until a few months ago, but now everyone seems to be talking about. It's called Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, or simply ChatGPT. Another one is called Dolly. ChatGPT can be used to create content like audio, Images, text, animation, and videos, there's been a lot of media attention on how it can be used to write everything from news stories and college essays to even obituaries. Using ChatGPT is unbelievably easy. For example, I typed in a short request for an answer to this question, Why did Lincoln issue his Emancipation Proclamation? And immediately it spit out a 250-word answer, clear, concise, and based on my own knowledge of the Lincoln presidency, accurate, and presented within the right context. Again, ChatGPT is really good at synthesizing what is already on the Internet. To Dr. Yaffe's point, there's a limit to this generative intelligence. It generates a really good response, but that's a far cry from the so-called strong AI that is indistinguishable from the human mind. But OpenAI also acknowledges some caveats on the chat GPT homepage, namely that this generative content, quote, may occasionally generate incorrect information or, quote, harmful instructions or biased content. That's because all ChatGPT does, again, is vacuum up what's already on the internet and spit it out. So the old phrase, garbage in, garbage out, could apply. The ability to discern fact from fiction is, for now, the Achilles heel of ChatGPT or other forms of generative technology. This is where disinformation could rear its ugly head more on this after this short break this series on disinformation is a co-production of evergreen podcasts and emergent risk international a global risk advisory firm emergent risk international we build intelligent solutions that find opportunities in a world of risk coming up on five minute news i'm anthony davis Welcome back. That, of course, Vladimir Putin announcing the start of his invasion of Ukraine nearly a year ago. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, the Kremlin dictator controls a vast disinformation empire, the so called Internet Research Agency staffed by hundreds of Russians a report by the Senate select committee on intelligence cited one of those employees a woman named Lyudmila Sabchuk who said in a typical 12-hour shift she had to meet a daily quota of 5 political posts 10 non-political posts and 150 to 200 comments on the postings of her Fellow online trolls. That's a lot of labor, labor that one day, perhaps soon, artificial intelligence will likely render superfluous. I discussed that with Bruce Schneier, a technologist and cryptographer. He's a fellow at the Berkman Center for Internet and Society at Harvard, also a fellow at the Belfer Center at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government.
3: Think about the IRA. I mean, what they did was craft messages that were designed to achieve a certain emotional goal and, and therefore a political goal. And they had people doing that. They had people posting in forums, people posting comments and news articles. You know, it, it's, it's unclear how effective it was. In the end, a lot of people have been writing about this, but we kind of know what they did. They tried to craft certain messages, attach them to images, and promulgate them through the Internet to affect how people thought. You know, in a sense, they were advertising, right? If Kellogg's did that to sell cereal, we would give them an award. But when the Russians did that to influence an election, we're all up in arms. But it isn't exactly, you know, what our system is built for. Now, you can imagine using an AI to automate a lot of that process, to automate the creation of image, images, the, the automate the creation of slogans and text, to automate the posting to automate the conversation, to do all the things that people have been doing. Now, if you're Russia and you can afford the people, and they were spending like a billion dollars a month according to one of the indictments I saw, then is it an improvement? You know, Maybe it's not. You mean you've got the money, you've got the people, you can do it. But it also brings that capability to those who didn't have those people. Or it allows someone like Russia to do it at an even greater scale because now they have the people and they have the automatic systems. Again,
1: we're not at that level, not yet, as ChatGPT shows, but we are well on the way. And when that happens, not if, but when, the challenge to our democracy could be profound. I put this question to Schneier. Uh, Now, if you were to draw a Venn diagram with the threat posed by AI in one circle, the pillars of our democracy in another. Tell me how they might intersect.
3: So when I think about artificial intelligence and democracy, I think about a couple of things. Think about the ability to craft personalized messages at scale. So we already know from modern personalized marketing that individually crafted messages or crafted messages to a type of person can be more persuasive. And that requires people to make a message to this demographic or that demographic. But you can imagine an AI system like a chat GPT or some follow-on that could craft personalized messages. Second thing to think about is that they can also impersonate people. So sure, you can have chat GPT write a uh, op-ed. You know, I mean, that's not that much big a deal. You can have a person write an op-ed. But think of an artificial agent that... Uh, lives on the internet and is a member of some social group of yours. Maybe it's an affinity group for knitting or model railroads or whatever it is you're interested in. Impersonating a person and occasionally dropping in a political message. This is, again, something that would have to be done by the millions in order to be effective, which people really can't do effectively, but artificial agents can And the last thing I think about is using an AI to understand and influence the mechanisms of democracy. So, for example, lobbying not only requires a message and money, but requires requires knowing who are the critical members of of a parliament, of a congress. And that's a kind of thing that an AI, not a chat AI, but a pattern recognition AI could uncover. You know, who are the people who are key to influence? Some of that's obvious. Some of that isn't. And again, that takes expertise. Being able to do it at scale would change things.
1: So it's not just what the Russians could do to us when the world gets so-called strong AI. It's what we could do to ourselves. More from Meredith Wilson.
0: The other concern um, I have is more around this more ubiquitous use of AI in uh, security and policing. Now, this is something that's been going on for a number of years, but as the tools become cheaper, more widely available, uh, particularly to an untrained public and um, and even untrained professionals in uh, you know in places like corporate security, um, this could lead to bigger problems with misinformation. Mis- identification of uh, criminal suspects um, and unlawful discrimination and everything from housing to jobs to policing. Wilson's
1: reference to an untrained public and untrained professionals underscores an important point, one that is typical for new technologies. And that is this technology often advances at a faster rate than the ability of many people to absorb it as a skill in between lies what we'll call an assimilation gap it is here that the possibility of malicious behavior by bad actors can flourish
0: one of the problems is that our you know the education that we got when we were growing up didn't include ai it didn't include most of the technologies that we have here today it didn't include sourcing on the internet and so people are relying on old skills and old ideas when they are hopping on the internet and looking for information, they are relying on old skill sets when they are dealing with programs that generate things from AI. They don't necessarily understand what they're operating there and what it's doing. Um, so, for example, in chat uh, GPT, right, we're pulling information from all over the web, and it's simply taking that and building a narrative out of it. But it isn't necessarily building a fact uh you know a fact checked narrative and so it's that type of thing where we have to um we have to train people on what they don't know because it's really mostly not about ignorance so much as it's about not knowing what they don't know
1: ah people not knowing what they don't know and remember for all its recent high profile advances artificial intelligence can still be considered in its infancy, and thus, both its promise and its peril. If you like this show and this series, I hope you'll go to the Apple or Spotify page or wherever you're listening to this, and give us a review. Thanks to Dr. David Yaffe and Dr. Bruce Schneier for their insights. Our sound designer and editor, Noah Fouts. Audio engineer, Nathan Corson. Executive producers, Michael DeLoya and Gerardo Orlando. And on behalf of Meredith Wilson of Emergent Risk International, I'm Paul Brandis. Thanks so much for listening.